Here's a thought. What if you woke up to find you'd won $20,000 every month for 20 years? Imagine the possibilities. Set for life from New South Wales Lotteries. Grab an entry in-store or online today. Welcome to the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com. Another January form slump for the Brisbane Roar sees them suffer a second straight league defeat, this time at the hands of their bogey side, the Newcastle Jets. It's a largely unfamiliar feeling for Roar fans, and one they hope the team can get rid of this weekend. Welcome to the Matt Mackay Mark 1 edition of the Brisbane Football Review. I'm James Coglin here in the hosting chair, and I'm joined, as always, by two loyal football fans in Scott Owen and Adam Pace. Things are on a bit of a downward slide on the pitch right now. How are we all feeling, guys? Not bad, James. How are you, Adam? Uh, yeah, we're good. Uh, afternoon, James, Scott, and all our listeners. Um, yeah, it's a weird feeling, sort of losing, losing to Newcastle again. It's but, never uh, happened before, has it? Surely mm. we'd be used to it by now. Yeah, you'd, you'd hope that we'd be over that bogey, but uh, obviously not. Well, we've got that and a lot more to talk about today. Plenty of news, including our second attempt at a Facebook Live in Segment 3, where we're going to discuss some of the major news that's been coming out in Australian football this week. But for now, we're going to get straight into the A-League review and not dawdle too much, we hope. All right, so a rare Saturday afternoon game saw the Brisbane Roar looking to bounce back from having their 10-match unbeaten run snapped by the league leaders Sydney FC by taking on a Newcastle Jets side that handed the Roar a 4-0 thrashing in Round 2 and have a better-than-average record at Suncorp Stadium. Tommy Orr broke a long-scoring drought with a stunning opening goal, but just as the hosts had one eye on the sheds for half-time, Andrew Hull unleashed a thunderbolt to equalise with virtually the last kick of the half. The Jets hit the front midway through the second half when Andrew Naboo was in the right place at the right time to head past Michael Theo. Jamie McLaren drew the host's level from the penalty spot. However, it would be a dramatic and somewhat controversial winning goal when Morton Nordstrand made it 3-2 with five minutes to go. Well, I can't say what I said when that winning goal went in, <laughs> but Adam, was it a foul on Michael Theo? Look, I, I, say, I say no. I say that, you know, at the end of the day... Look, we all talk about, you know, keepers being protected species, and it seems to be the trend now in the A-League at the moment. One that comes to mind is the incident that happened in Perth, you know, over, over a month ago, that uh, where it seems like the referees are willing to sort of allow that, you know, sort of contact without being, you know, a foul. But to be honest, I thought, you know, pretty much fumbled it, and I think, and I think the goal stands. I think it's uh, unfortunate, but it is what it is. Yeah, and I agree. It's, that's not a foul to me. You're allowed to contest the ball last time I checked. It is very similar to the Andy Keogh one on Galekovic that Adam's preferring to back in December, so I don't have a problem with it. I think also the raw defence are kind of standing around a little bit after it. Like, just play the game. Play the whistle. Yeah, that's it. I think they probably were all expecting it. And then it just... It's the, the second bo- time that's happened as well after the Jade North thing down in Melbourne. What was that? The, Mel- the Jade North on the Fornaroli incident. Oh, that's right. Stopping, well. stopping before yeah. the whistle came about. Look, at the time, I was screaming essentially bloody murder from my seat in the stands about that because it did live. It, I honestly would have, if the ref blew for a foul, I would have totally understood. But having seen the replay, I think it was probably 50-50, like 50% contact, 50% Theo not being good enough in the air. And, but did he have a really bad day, all things considered? No, other than, other than that, that third goal, um, look, the, you know, you, it's depending on who you speak to, the first goal, Hull's goal, I thought, you know, it was unstoppable. Anything that goes side netting, 
straight away, you think, you know what, it's almost unstoppable. So, and perhaps where the blame lies in that goal is the defender standing off who will thinking that, Absolutely. you know, this is a guy who scored only two, uh, two goals in his A-league career. Oh, he's not going to do it here. And look, the, um, I guess the other one, the other goal, that was, I guess, pure luck. You know, had, had that ball not deflected off Jade North's head into to, uh, Naboo's path. You know, who knows what happens? So, look, I don't think it had a bad game. I think, again, the crowd of the crowd of sort of, you know, the Jamie Young supporters saying, oh, he should be in there. Give it up, guys. Theo's there and there to the end of the season. And I don't, re- and I honestly think a lot of those mistakes we're seeing from Theo is you probably would see something similar from Jamie Young because if one thing we all know about Jamie Young, he can produce some spectacular saves just like Theo, but he is capable of producing that really frustrating moment where he'll go to throw it and the ball will go between his legs towards his own goal. <laughs> exactly. Well, I, it, look, that's the thing is, keeping's not perfect. And I don't think it's a great culture. You know, if you, if, you know, you got, you know, one keeper that's in fear of his, you know, of his staying position every time he makes a mistake. You know, if it's a string of mistakes and week after week, you know, a la Andrew Redmayne, for example, Western Sydney Wanderers, different story. But, you know, Theo has been pretty good up until this point. You know, he had a bad day and he shouldn't just lose his spot just for that. And how many points has Theo been responsible for saving the Raw so far well, this had year? The great, the great game against Sydney FC, for example, and a couple of others. Have been and the Wanderers. The Wanderers as well. I was going to say, the only other mistake I can think of from Theo this season is the one in Adelaide. Yeah, where he could have mm. yeah. maybe closed his hands. the thing with a goalkeeper, though. You can have a good game, but if you make one mistake, that's really all that gets remembered about your performance as well. Mm. All right, so looking at the match as an overall entity, are the Raw's bogey team back? Were the Jets good, or was it the Did Raw... Did they ever leave? No, I think they had a good run for a little while there. Was it 2-1 last year to... We did, yeah. But were the Jets good, or were the Raw... Not that great on the day. Look, I think it's you know I think it's one of these games where you know what if you if you finish two all you'd say you know what share points. So it was just one moment of brilliant slash madness that has actually rendered a result. So look, I I think you know the raw in parts it can be satisfied. I thought you know Newcastle were very good, but you now to me I thought a draw would have been a fair result except for you now the the um, one one moment. Yeah, we'll get to Newcastle in a minute because I do think that's worth talking about. But with the raw, I thought they were a little bit flat on the day. Yep. I just thought that they scored on a good early goal. Well, not early, but mid through the first half. They had another good chance for Corey Brown to, to Jamie McLaren with the cross. That could have been a whole different game if that goes in. And then from then, the la- then on the last 10 minutes of the first half, they all kind of looked like they took a foot off the gas. Yeah. It just kind of looked like they were sit- sitting back waiting for half time, and Newcastle pushed on. Because the goal didn't come out of nothing. They had a couple of chances before that as well. And then the second half, Newcastle carried that momentum forward and it was tough for the Raw to get it back. And those five minutes before halftime are always really crucial to a team. But I think you're right. They were absolutely flat. But it wasn't just the Raw players. I thought overall, like even, you know, the Dan or the fans down the family zone, it was just a really flat feeling. And I don't know if it was just post-holiday season blues or something, but it just... It was really surreal, almost. Yeah, I think Saturday afternoon games. It's not we don't get too many of them, so I, I think you know, without trying to second guess what the fans do before the game, I think that, that has a contribution to that. Now I know you know Saturday night games normally fairly, you know, the crowds pretty you know, animated and sort of hot, but Saturday afternoons it's one of those ones we don't know much about as far as how the crowd reacts. I think it really takes the stuff on the pitch to be able to actually lift or. Yeah, I guess flatten the mood of the crowd. It was a long day sitting in the sun as well for anyone in the crowd as well. Who had been to the double header. Exactly, that's the point I was about to make. Yeah, well, I think, like the Saturday afternoon, I don't mind it as a time slot, just the Raw don't seem to get a lot of home games at 4.30 on a Saturday. Which is the only one of the year as well. Yeah, because, I don't know, for whatever reason, it seems to be dominated a lot by Central Coast and Newcastle home games. I think it's the the game that the TV broadcasters dictate as the least 
the at least drawing interest game of the. And it's around. also it's also seven thirty kickoff local in New Zealand, so I think that's also as well its purpose. Yep. Like some yeah. some slots, you know, you know that you know, Phoenix are going to get a couple get a heap of games in that room because seven thirty on Saturday night for them. 4.30 is, so you, 5.30, you know, saving time. And you do also wonder with the, um, you know, I suppose regional teams like Newcastle and Central Coast with fans that might have to travel a little bit mm. further. Yeah. Well, further in distance, not time-wise like you get in Sydney traffic or something. <laughs> but, you know, they they might need that extra couple of hours to get home in time, so maybe that's it. Yeah. But, I, well, I was talking to someone today, actually, and they were just saying, you know, your Saturdays, you're spending the day by the pool, you know, you just relax and you get to three o'clock or whatever and go, ooh, I've got to get to Suncorp Stadium now. And it's one of those things that some people who aren't members or diehard fans might just say, no, I'll stay by the pool, watch this on TV later on. What was the uh, crowd number in the end? 13? 14. 14. Which is really good considering all, all facts. It was the highest one of the week round, I think. Was I'm, it? That's I'm even pretty, better. I'm pretty sure it was. We should also mention the Raw crowds have been absolutely fantastic this year as well. Numbers I mean, everything like- that's happened, they've been... Fantastic numbers. And overall, like I will say credit to the Den. They made a fair bit of noise considering, you know, I've, it kind of feels like they were battling a little bit like a golfer that didn't quite have their swing or something. But one thing that did go well for the Roar, I suppose, Tommy Orr broke his drought. We've talked about this a lot. Adam, is this a sign of good things to come for the future? I'd almost be tempted to uh, get on him as far as uh, scoring a goal on Friday night. I, th- wow. I think the broke. I think the drought's over. We're going to be doing the predictions in an hour or so. Don't get too far ahead of yourself. Okay, well, I'll give you a stat that he scored three goals in 44 games for the Raw over his two stints. So maybe you might sort of pump the brakes on that. But it was it was good to see him score that goal because it should boost his confidence because he's been playing pretty well. Yeah. In the last few weeks, and he's been getting himself in position to actually do yeah. that. So he's had some strikes on goal. So it's not like he's not been having attempts. So we're working on it. All right, and Jamie McLaren, he got another goal from the penalty spot, which gives him five in his last seven, three of which have come from the spot. So do you feel like that might be masking maybe some of his form struggles? Uh, look, I, without being too unkind, I think it may be, um, it may actually be masked because he's, he's not getting many opportunities, you know, to score. Like I said, it, it might be a combination of both that plus, you know, he's getting marked out of the game. I think, you know, it's not like no one... None of the other you know, nine teams know who Jamie McLaren is and the potential that he has. So perhaps that, but I think, you know, having, you know, that, that number of, of goals, you know, in this period of time, I don't think it's showing how prolific he is uh, more than anything else. I will say, I mean, I do buy the whole service argument. He's not getting the best service. But you look, yeah. I mentioned earlier the cross from Corey Brown. That's a, that's a perfect cross to a striker. And you should be doing better on that. And I've got some numbers again for you, James, as well. Last year... I can find them in front of me. He had six goals in 14 games to start the season. So he's at seven. Now he's got six this year. So, so the numbers look good. It's just... It feels like he's battling a little... point, a lot of them are penalties. Last year they weren't penalties. That's, I think, the difference here. And just a point about the way that he played on Saturday. I do think he had a very, very tough assignment because yeah. he had your best friend. Yes, who's now re-signed in Newcastle. Lachlan Two Jackson. Yeah. And... As, by the way, today, like, for that national sign, your former Raw junior defenders... Jason Gary also Jason signed. Gary is also re-signed. But yep. anyway, I've derailed your point. Yeah, well, I was going to say, like, he had two very big defenders and there were a lot of aerial passes being played to him. And I think as we've established, Jamie McLaren, not the tallest guy. And when you're being marked by two guys that are a head taller than you, Jackson and Nigel yeah. Bugard, it, yeah, it was really... I don't know. For yeah. me, it was just a tough afternoon. One of those, the Royal might need to rethink the sort of service they provide Jamie McLaren. Because last year, those balls over the top were beating the defender and he was through. But also, This year, they're not... They're not beating the defence. 
But also last year, I feel like those balls over the top were being played on more of an angle, which Absolutely, would allow yeah. them to actually get it in behind the defender. Whereas this year, they seem to be coming a lot more straight on. Yeah. I think I think for mine, I think it, we're start, it's starting to demonstrate as well as far as variety sort of the service that how much the side is actually missing Brett Holman at number 10. I think that might be the, the turning point for Jamie McLaren is when Holman comes back. Because obviously you, you're bombing, you know, crosses high from the wing. But Holman also had that other, you know, the other sort of string to his bow. So, look, maybe that's maybe that's the key to key Jamie McLaren is actually Brett Holman. But Travis was supposed to bring that into the side this, this week. So maybe, anyway. Yep. All right. So just quickly, credit to the Jets. They did well. Yes. Yeah, I mean, you look at what Mark Jones has done with that side, coming in last minute with a side where he wasn't able to recruit anyone, basically. He, um, he's, he's had a lot of injuries to contend with, and they look like a final side that could actually trouble some of the big teams as well. So you've got to give him tremendous credit. Yeah, no, I think definitely. I think they, if, if you said that, that they would be you know, fifth or sixth you know, at this point of the season after the off-season they had, you'd almost laugh. So credit to Mark, Mark Jones and the entire staff down at Newcastle. And finally, the playing surface. It was better, but there were still a lot of players slipping. Marginally better. I think it played better in the W League game than the A League game. That's not really much of a surprise when you consider it. But I think you mentioned it after the game on Saturday. The last 10 minutes was horrendous. The number of players that were slipping, like they yeah. were trying to go for the ball and just look like their feet were getting Even on it. the parts that were relayed, they were slipping. Mm. And you, well, you could tell the grass hadn't actually taken because there were still all of these yeah. seams horizontally. I sent you guys that photo yeah. before the game, which did we ever wind up sharing that out? I can't remember. Okay. We might share it out later if we haven't. Yeah, but basically you could still see the seams in the turf where they'd been relayed. Just, just quickly as well, in the last 10 minutes, I obviously watched on TV that Fox Sports actually were showing big divots coming out of the pitch as well. So they seem to be honing in on that. So I think, yeah, the surface is not still a long way from being yeah, we where we want to be. From We've uh, talked about how bad yeah. the surface is for weeks now. Well, it makes you wonder if that's what a W League and A League players are going to do, do to it. Imagine what a Super Rugby scrum is going to do to it in yeah. a couple of months. Well, just, ask, just ask Amy Park. Yep. All right, so that's going to do it for segment one of the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back. It's the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com. Welcome back to the Brisbane Football Review here in the Switch 1197 studios for the Outside 90 Fan Network. It's time to take a look at the news and results over the last week as we begin with the A-League recap. Adam, tell us about Perth Glory's 2-1 win over the Wellington Phoenix. Um, look, I think uh, Thursday, Thursday night distance derby, and it's not the most you know, generous viewing. Um, look, I think you know, Perth Glory is starting it's to find their way. It's generous viewing for those in New Zealand. <laughs> oh, sure. no, that's, that's the kickoff is, oh no. Midnight? Yeah, at least. Yeah. But, anyway, um, go ahead, sorry. Yeah, no, you're right. Um, you know, I think Perth may be sort of showing signs they're sort of coming back into it. They're obviously great expectations given their recruiting. And uh, look, it's hard to know Wellington Phoenix. You know, the, I think the bubble's over. It's maybe a little bit with uh, now that uh, Mrs. Um, the coach was, Green Greenacre Acre and B- yeah. Buckingham. Sorry, that's, I should know that. We didn't actually put that in the notes. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah so that, you know, that, that's the first, their first loss since they've taken over from Ernie Merrick. So, look, it's hard to know now whether you know, they, they're going you know, to level, sort of, yeah, level out. But they've got three games in eight days at home. So that, that could be you know, the season the fighting for them. But Perth, well, I, think, I thought they were okay. They deserve against points. Brisbane, I believe, as well. Oh, good. Moving on. Scott, Melbourne City 1-0 over Western Sydney Wanderers. Yeah, so this was a really interesting game this on the Friday night. Obviously, Ivan Franic invoked memories of his goal against Central Coast at the Northern End of Suncorp Stadium. Remember that, the goal with the canoe were, kayak thing? That's right. That was a phenomenal strike, yeah. and so was the one on Friday night. Yeah. Just a volley outside of the foot, wasn't it? Something like that, yeah. And it was a really good goal as well. And then you've got, of course, the big incident of the red card for Artie's border. 
which I think was a red card. It was a red card, but I also think it was stupid of Fornaroli to flop the way he did because yes, I get, Fornaroli, that's what he does. I get hit harder by three-year-olds at work. Yes, but Fornaroli, that's what he does. James. I know, but I'm just pointing out that it is entirely possible that two parties, like both parties, might have been in the wrong there. Well, he stomped on his foot, so possibly. But when you look at the rest of the game after that, Melbourne City controlled possession, but they didn't do anything with it. The Wanderers actually looked more dangerous than them, which is kind of surprising. And by the end of it, you could have almost said the Wanderers deserved a point given the chances that they did create with 10 men. Particularly Nico Martinez looked really good as well. Well, there we go. Adam, Adelaide United nil, Melbourne victory two. Um, I think it's a tale of two cities, definitely this one. Uh, look, Melbourne victory, I think, are the form team of the A-League at the moment. They were very good. Uh, Borussia, you know, won closer to 100. Um, look, and James Troisi was, you know, he had his best game since his return, you know, to, to the victory. But Adelaide United, oh my boy, they are... Oh, man. They, they are a rabble on the field now, and from yeah. seeing out, they're a rabble off the field. So, look, I don't know what they're going to do as far as they've got Champions League in a month's time, and they're going to embarrass themselves the way they're going. But then again, they've got form where they're They'll absolutely win it. terrible <laughs> they've got a in the league, Adelaide, and, but then come out and, and do well in the Champions League. So we've got to hope for that, but they need to sort out their stuff quick. And whether Amor's there or not, that's, who knows? We should quickly touch on that off-field stuff as well. I mean, the response to the fans with that statement on Sunday morning was no, absolutely ridiculous. Terrible. Not a great way to win people no. over. No. All right, so we're going to move on. Central Coast 2, Sydney FC 3. bit closer than it should have been, Scott. Yeah, so I'm going to focus on one moment in this whole game. Well, I shouldn't. The Mariners did play well, and you could kind of say they deserved a point. And then you look at the winning goal for Sydney FC. I mean, that's, that's offside, right? Absolutely. Don't try and tell me it's not offside. Absolutely. Uh, it's not offside. Uh, look, uh, my view on that is that, you know, they're the ones that you say, well, is a benefit. You know, like I said, it's, you know, if we're, if we're going to rely on Fox, Fox Sports putting a line right, well, that's, that's your first that, problem. That, that photo still shows he's offside if you look at it. Yeah. So just reference that photo very quickly. Yeah, so there's a photo that Fox have put out as part of their, their um, social media about the match on Sunday afternoon. And it's, they've got the offside line based on a steward wearing an, a yellow jacket. <laughs> And he's still offside from that because his head is past that towards the goal and so is his foot. But just just so, quick on that, I don't, I've got, we're running out of time, but just quick on that, just on that, is that I, my view, and I was speaking to a few people on social media, is that I think the linesman may have been actually focusing on the run of Bobo in the middle, who was clearly onside. And they probably didn't even see Carney you know, come to the far post. So, look, I'm not, I'm not making excuses for Sydney FC, but, look, yeah, it, it's it, one of those ones where... Could it be a human? It's just a human error. Yeah, look, it's. I guess it's all for us. Good to say that you know it's offside when you have twenty five looks at it. But yeah, all right. Um, so Scott, you just asked about the team of the season so I far. Did. We're going to get to that in uh, part three, I think. Okay, okay. Just looking at timing wise, you know, yep. I've got to try and keep to the clock and everything since okay, we Captain. are <clears throat> professional. Yep. Use that term Thanks, very Captain. loosely. Sydney FC a well clear on top of the table, seven points, but with one game extra over Melbourne victory, thirty six to twenty nine points. City actually have moved up into third place thanks to their win, while the Raw have dropped down to fourth on 21. So the top four at the moment are starting to separate themselves. You've got Perth, Newcastle and Western Sydney, and I suppose even Wellington in a little bit of a battle for that fifth and sixth spot. I wouldn't even discount Mariners from entering that race. No, that's true. They are on 10 points, so I'll give you that. And then Adelaide United is on seven points, which... I think we could discount Adelaide. Yeah, well, I was going to say, mathematically, they might still be in it, but based on the evidence on the field so far, they might get that participation trophy. When you start bringing up mathematically alive for finals races, you're just in about January. done. In January. Yeah, you're just about done. 
All right, so I'm going to move on to the W League. Our W League side recorded a 3-0 win over Western Sydney Wanderers at Suncorp Stadium, with Tamika Butt scoring a double inside seven minutes, while Katrina Gorey scored a second-half goal to seal a win and keep their finals chances alive. It was a historic occasion for the Royal Women's captain, Claire Polkinghorne, in a 100th W League game. The first to do so, and I believe the first in all of the W League as well. Correct, yep. So congratulations, Claire. Yeah, That's a phenomenal achievement. Yep, absolutely. All right, so... Scott, you were watching this game. Yep. What was your big takeaway from it? Uh, well, big takeaway, again, is thanks to public transport, I missed the first two goals for the second time in a row. But so, basically, the game was very much like the game last month. I believe that was against Adelaide at Suncorp Stadium. And the Raw scored two very good early goals. And from there, they controlled the game. And well, they looked like they could add to it. And as the crowd came in and the atmosphere rose late in the second half, you could see the Raw pick up their act again and they scored a, a very good third goal. Katrina Gorey hit the crossbar and it's deflected in off the goalkeeper. It's technically an own goal, but... It's still a good shot. Yeah. yeah. I, think, I think the most impressive thing is the zero. I think yeah. the, the clean sheet, I think that's great confidence for the back four and Mackenzie Arnold. I think that they'd be a bit sort of maligned a little bit. You now they've copped a few goals lately. So to get that, um, to get that clean sheet against a... You know, who have been actually a very decent yeah. Western Sydney Wanderers women's team. Um, like I said, I think that'd be the most pleasing aspect. They've got a big couple of weeks coming up. And to Adam's point, I can only remember Mackenzie Arnold having one save to make. So that's very good confidence for the back four. I, for me, the best moment of the game was at the end when they came down in front of the den and did that yeah. uh, clap thing, which they did not steal from Iceland if certain That was in the pre-game for the A-League game as well, James. Yeah. yeah, but I just mean like it was a cool sight seeing them come over and for, if certain other non-outside 90 publications are listening, they did not steal that from Iceland. They've been doing that for a few years. I also did like the fact that at 3-0 up, they chose to substitute Claire Polking on later on as well, Give just it. so she can get that round of applause, which is so richly deserved. So the finals chances for the Raw, that was a big win for them, but they still need to go 2-0 and in their last game. I think so. I mean, they're on 13 points now. One of those games is against Melbourne City, who are in that fourth finals place. So if they don't win that game, it's almost unlikely they're going to be able to pass Melbourne City. So 19 points would put them, I believe, second on the table right now. Yep. But they've got two games left to play. The rest of the competition has three. So it's, it's touch and go whether they're edge. going to be able to make it. If they win both, I think they might scrape in. But Well, we'll just have to wait and see. Keep a close eye on that for a little while. There was Sydney F... Now, you've got a note here about Sydney women's and Melbourne City women's playing at Allianz Stadium. In yeah, that's um, obviously the fallout. We spoke about a couple of weeks ago about the, the controversy about the women um, pl- having to change in the tent at, uh, at Central Coast Stadium. And by the sounds of it, the FFA have listened. And you know, they moved that game, the um, Sydney FC-Melbourne City game, to Allianz Stadium. The only, the only thing with that is that playing at Allianz Stadium, it was a cavernous... Environment yeah. that there was just no. And Sydney FC were playing away as well, so it's hard to get yeah, fans in look, for a W League game. Look, I understand why they did it, but see, this is the thing: is that you can't have your cake and eat it too, because mm. by you know sort of having a stand up, you know, whole thing. And I, and I don't mind; I'm not condoning what Central Coast Stadium did, but the alternative is you know a cavernous stadium with you know maybe 200 people, a lifeless environment. Is that what we want from W League? You know, just because of this? It's just, it's one of those things where it's a no-win situation. It's a really interesting debate. I will say before we pile in on Central Coast Stadium, they have announced this week a really good proposal for a potential Mm. upgrade, which would be absolutely fantastic if it happens. Yeah, not to direct traffic away from the rule, but check out the Central Coast uh, social media accounts. I think it's on all of them. That stadium redesign looks awesome. It's also almost a blueprint of what you could see around some of the smaller markets in the A-League for their own stadiums in the future. That's right. Okay, so normally we're here we touch on the National Youth League, but we're going to come back and talk about that after the break. Mm-hmm. And you're also going to uh, be able to see us for this one if you go on Facebook for our special Facebook Live segment. So we'll be back in a little while. This is the Brisbane Football Review. 
You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com. Welcome back. It's the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com. Alright, hello everyone. Welcome to segment three of the Brisbane Football Review. We are live on Facebook, finally after some technical glitches. I'm James, uh, if you're watching us on the webcast, Scott's up there in the glasses. Hi guys, how are we? And our third member of our team is Adam. Evening, people. All right, so what we're going to do is basically just segment three of our podcast with all the news and stuff that's going on at the moment. We're just going to go through some of the major stories. But first of all, you can see why we're doing where we like an audio format usually, but we thought with technology evolving the way it is, we probably need some sort of accompaniment. If it actually cooperates with us. Yeah, yeah well, that's a big question. It's been question, a long battle it? this afternoon trying to get technology to work around here. Yeah, but and I swear it's not all my fault, I promise. It is, it is. Trust me. Yeah. Uh, See, we're on this side of the computer screen. James is on that side. Yeah, so I've got to actually multitask here, and I'm running the computer and everything, so it's a little bit confusing. If you've actually got us... um, Yeah, if you've actually got us on Facebook, feel free to leave a few comments, and we'll try and go through the next 20 minutes, half hour or so, and see how it goes. Yeah. So, all right, let's get into it. Uh, Part one. We're going to talk about the National Youth League fiasco, I would say, that would be the best point to start off with. I think so. If you're going to listen to the podcast in full, we actually left off that and talk about what happened on the weekend. Adam, the Raw youth team were beaten by Perth Glory 2-0. You've got a bit of a problem with how it went, though. Oh, look, I, it's a couple of things. Like, I have a fundamental issue with the competition itself, and that's, uh, and that's simply like, you know, Perth Glory, their side, they can, it contained four overage players, which includes Socceroos' Reese Williams. This is not what the National Youth League is supposed to be. And look, and I don't blame Perth Glorious. I don't think if anyone on the West Coast is seeing this or hearing this, it's not, I'm not having a go at Perth Glory because this is not, like I said, they can only do what's within the rules. And if they want to play a Reese Williams or Aaron Williams you know, to get fit- fitness, then so be it. But it's a fundamental issue with the league itself. And the fact is, is that it's supposed to be a youth league. And when the, and the thing is with that is that, you, especially Brisbane Raw, where they've got every player pretty much under the age of 21, barring one or two exceptions. Like I said, how, how are they supposed to um, compete against grown men, especially a player like Reese Williams, who was absolutely dominant in that game? And then the scores end up being 2-0, and the Raw only got a shot when actually Williams went off. So it's, like I said, I, I, it, it's the FFA's fault. It's the FFA's problem. And they need to sort of address this because it is destroying the youth league. It's not a youth league at the moment. If they want to call it an A-League 2 or A-League reserves, then so be it. But to call it a national youth league at the moment is an absolute joke. Yeah, it's a hybrid of a youth league slash reserves league. And it's doing neither well at the moment. I think the youth part of it, at least you've got the NPL throughout the winter where you can develop young players. But with the current national youth league, it's almost like it's an eight-week window within the season for players who aren't in the A-League squad at the moment to play, whether they be younger players or, in Perth Glory's case, experienced A-League players looking for match-ups. That seems to be the way it's being used at the moment. It's a fundamental flaw in the competition. and 
it really does need to be looked at. I mean, I know they changed it two years ago for the conference system. I don't think that works either. No, I think they've either got to go back to what it was or they have to find some other solution. All right, we're just getting a little bit of live feedback right now with our camera. Apparently, Adam, your phone, which we're actually broadcasting from right now, it's still on uh, vertical, so it looks like there's some strange gravity going on in the studio. Oh, Yeah. We've tried Hello? cameras in the studio, guys. We've tried an iPad. This is the only thing we can get to work, unfortunately. Yeah, we're getting there. And is it on... Uh, is it on vertical lot? Uh, it might be. Uh, it might be. We're just sort of working that one out. This is great TV, James. Yeah. As you can see, we're radio professionals. Yeah, absolutely. That's. We're working on it. So while Adam's doing that, maybe we should talk about the um, game itself, James. Because it yep. was, so it was our uh, two nil to the Perth Glory, and it was. A game where, the, again, like in the A-League, the, the Raw started slowly in the game. Perth scored a really good goal. And then, basically, the Raw couldn't break their way through the Perth Glory defence. I mean, Adam's point, Reese Williams was really good. So was his so was his defensive partner back there. They were just unbeatable. The, the Raw kept trying for the through ball to Shannon Brady or to Panetta or whoever else was up there. And it just could not get through. Was it a case of just Perth were way too well organised and just on a completely different level? I think so. I think to Adam's point, again, the experience would have played a big part in that as well because they had Nick Feely, their reserve A-League goalkeeper. They had Aaron Williams at right back and they had Reese Williams at right centre back and they had an experienced left back in by youth league standards next to him at, in Ross Millard. So they had a very experienced back line and it would have helped them. But I'd also do think for the Raw, losing Nick Diagostino at halftime was a massive blow. Yeah, so he came off, it says here, with uh, knee injuries? Some sort of knock he picked up. And basically when he went off, Nicholas Panetta went up front. And he's not the best number nine out there. In fact, he's more of a 10 than a nine. It was more just a best case scenario. And Is he more of a wide man, you'd say? He's more of a wide guy slash a number 10. He's not an actual number nine. Okay, fair enough. Well, it was a bit of a bit of an unfortunate result, and you, it might have dented the Raw's hopes of Conference yeah. A. So right now they're on se- they've played seven games and they're on thirteen points. But you've got Melbourne City able to overtake them with their game in hand. Yeah, that's that's the big thing now. The Raw have the Raw and Adelaide are still they're still in the mix for it, but one of them will be eliminated this weekend in Adelaide because for the Raw it's their last game. If they don't win at the weekend, they will not win the conference. But if they win this weekend, they'll be hoping that Melbourne City either drop points in Perth on Sunday. Or the Saturday following against Melbourne Victory in the Derby. So City win both of those games, they will win the conference. That's the state of play at the moment. I was just going to say... I think, I think we're working in. I think vision. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. That'll do. <laughs> the only thing I was going to suggest is, have you got that orientation lock thing on your phone? Uh, probably. <laughs> we'll see if you... Yeah. Let's just have a quick look and see if you can fix that, because we want people to see as much of us as possible. Maybe we'll go to break and come back and we'll fix, fix it. I was going to say, we'll just keep going. Okay. Yeah, we'll just keep talking. Right. Yeah? So... Yeah, so you're saying one of them can be, one of them can be eliminated this weekend. Yeah, so Adelaide's almost. I mean, you can do that table in a minute, James. But Adelaide's almost out of it at the moment, anyway. It's more a case of they could sneak into the top spot if results go their way, but they're not likely to. But for the Raw, they have to win. There's, yeah. they can't win the conference if they don't win this weekend. Just hang on a second. Yeah, just keep telling us a little bit about what's going yeah. on. I'm so going to help out. Okay, so the Raw are on top of the table. City are. If I can just reach over and grab the table. Sorry, guys. I can just find James's terrible notes here. Yep, so no, Brisbane are on top of the table up with 13 points from seven games. And you've got Melbourne City on 12 after six games. Adelaide is on nine points after six games. And Perth are on nine also after six games as well. So they're not technically out of it either. Victory are four points from seven games and they are out of it. So if you go down to this weekend's games, Brisbane are in Adelaide on Saturday afternoon. 
and Perth will play host to Melbourne City this as well. So they're the two games this weekend. And the final relative, Raw have the bye, and you've got the Melbourne derby, which is shaping up as incredibly important. And Adelaide and Perth could be a dead rubber, or it could be meaningful. We'll have to wait and see on that one, depending on this week's results. So oh. there's still all to play for, but it's no longer in the Raw's hands. That's, I think, what the big takeaway from this weekend's games. Because they had it in their hand and of course, ahead, of the, ahead of the last two games, and unfortunately now it's not. And of course, for you, winning the, seeing the Raw win the NPL was very, very important because you wanted NYL. the National Youth League, <laughs> yes. I get confused. There are so many yeah. N-something else. And It'd be good to complete the set, but it's obviously it's not the most important thing about the Youth League. I fact. would actually like to see them try and win the NHL just for something different. <laughs> what about the NFL? Oh, that too, but no, I've got a team we're not getting onto that, that here. <laughs> All, right. All right, so Adam, do you have anything to add on the National Youth League? Uh, no. No, no, other than FFA, fix it. And fix it fast, because it's ridiculous. And listen to him, he's a big scary man. And <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're going to move on to the next part, which is Brisbane Roar have been denied some schedule changes relating to their Asian Champions League qualification. And it's actually leading to them threatening to field weakened sides in their A-League fixtures. So, Adam? Yeah, see, with that, with that one... Um... Look, it's, it's, it just shows, again, it's, it's the breakdown sort of, of the relationship between, uh, I guess, the FFA and the Asian Football Confederation. Obviously, China are more of a benefit to them than we are because this could have all been solved simply by pushing Shanghai SIPG on a Wednesday and having Shanghai Shenhua play on a Tuesday. But for whatever reason, it is what it is, which means that the Raw play sort of you know, in a 68-hour window to their game against Melbourne City in round 15. So not 15, it's round 19. Yep. So, you know, this whole threat, I guess, you know, player safety comes first and, you know, and then it's sort of the uh, PFA regulation. But it's, it's a, yeah. 72 hours, isn't it? 72, minimum 72, yeah, minimum hour 72 hours. So, look, to, to be honest, I actually think that, you know, and this may not go down with a lot, a lot of uh, Raw fans, but I actually think, you know what, if I, I think we should honestly be focusing on the A-League and, you know, play mm. a weekend team... In the um, in the Champions League, I know Scott disagrees. With yeah, me, I got to disagree but, on that, Adam. We yeah. fight so hard to get into the Champions League. I'm I'm not gonna to use an NFL phrase, punt away but, when we get in. But are they actually fighting really hard to get into the Champions League, or just get as high up in the A League as they can? Well, you're trying to achieve as much as you can, right? When you're in the Champions League, you don't want to just give it up for no you know, no reason whatsoever. I mean, I do think that it's not impossible that the Raw could go to Shanghai and get a result because you go back to our last campaign. Everyone said it was over after the Beijing loss on match day one. Everyone said they'd go to Uruwa and lose. And look what happened. So yeah, I know, I, you, you never know what can happen. I, I think I would rather honestly go for that game against Shanghai, but, but assuming it happens, and just say to, to FFA and Fox, you know what? Your Saturday night primetime game, we don't care. We're going to field our youth team and see how that goes for you because it should be moved back. And in That's all, my big takeaway. The game should be moved back to at least the Sunday. If not. Ideally the Monday. I'll just postpone it for like a month's time or something. And just give them a chance to play in it. Because basically, as it stands, I would just field the youth team in the Melbourne City game. I'd go full strength against the Wanderers, a mixture against Global or Tampine, full strength against Sydney FC, and full strength against Shanghai, and then play the youth team in Melbourne. And in all honesty, you've got to remember, like these guys are paid professionals, and yeah. you can say suck it up or yeah. whatever, but... It's not like when you've got a European Champions League game in Paris and you've just got to catch the train back to Tuesday London. To, they play Tuesday, Wednesday, and if you're playing on the Wednesday, you don't play Saturday, you play the Sunday. That's so it. So they balance it out properly. And with the Europa League as well, Thursday to Sunday. Yeah. And, you know, it's, yeah, it's not like it's a couple of hours on the train. It's 
a really long flight, usually not a direct one either. Wouldn't, I don't think there's any direct flights Brisbane to Beijing, Brisbane to Shanghai. Uh, is there? there is now. If the Raw are using, uh, not to, well, a, a certain airline, yeah, we're we're restricted in actually brand names on the show. But there's a certain airline, a Chinese airline, that actually has just started services from Brisbane to Shanghai. So maybe they're going on that. But still, no way to slice it. Ten hours on a plane. Even if it's in business class, it's still going to take you out of you as a professional athlete. Are so, they really going to be on business class? Actually, probably not. I, I, look, I don't know. I don't, I don't do the bookings. I'm, I know uh, there are people, travel professionals out there that may disagree, but... Uh, yeah. But yeah, yeah like, you also shouldn't look too far ahead as well. The Raw do have to win their home game against Global or Tampion Rose for this well, to become an issue. Start, and yeah. I think We're all kind of taking it for granted, but you never know in this Champions League. It wouldn't be the worst thing, to be honest. If they lost at home against Global Attack. Yeah, it would be an, it'd be an embarrassment, but you know, from a sketching qu- point of view, it may not be the worst Here's thing. Here's a question in the world. for you. Do you. Would you play the full strength side in that game, or would you just no. play the youth team, or no. what? I would probably sp- I'd still play guys predominantly from the first team, yeah. but that's where I might try and look at giving Daniel Bowles a yeah. run out, yeah. Jacob Pepper. The guys that have been sort of sitting on the bench playing, you know, half an hour max, give them a run out. Because, yeah. worst case scenario is. You know, if these guys get a little bit burnt out, you've still got your reliable yeah. veterans like Christensen, Mackay, Broich to fall back on. And it is five games in fourteen days as well. You're going, you're going to have to do something. You wouldn't, you wouldn't, you wouldn't expect Broich to feature, and you know, five, five games, fourteen days. You wouldn't expect them to feature more than probably three of those. You've got some of the older guys as well. Like this is where, you know, John Wilson needs to show a little bit of faith in the youth guys, you know, especially. And I, I can't think of a better place and that game on January 31 to give you know, a Nick Diagostino a run or some of the other you know, you know, youth guys have been sort of performing in the National Youth League because this is probably, this is probably the level that, that they need to come up against. Maybe against Shanghai in Shanghai might be a bit too much but yeah. I, I reckon this game January 31 might be a good place to actually play a predominantly youth team but have guys like a Daniel Bowles and a Rana, a few of those guys who do play off the bench to get a start. If you're actually following live, feel free to leave a comment. Tell us, you know, how would you approach yeah. this string of games? Who would you start where? And, you know, would you maybe, like you said, give Broich mm. a bit of a rest, bring him off the bench, see how it all plays out? It would be very interesting as well because we're going to get into John Aloisi's potential contract extension in a minute. And one of the, one of the few problems I have, because I think he's done a fantastic job, is his youth, the amount of the youth players he's given an opportunity to. This... He might have his hand forced here because he's, he's only given one youth debut out in his 18 months here, which is Nick Diagostino. I think in the next couple of weeks, there's going to have to be a few because the squad's simply not big enough to cope without doing that. And also, you're not going to have Brandon Borello available either. That's the other thing. Mm. He's been selected for, what is it, eight? It's a meaningless under-23 qualifier thing, even though he won't be eligible for the next the Tokyo 2020 Olympic campaign. So Then why is he going? Why are we playing an under-23 tournament when we don't have a meaningful game for three years? Maybe it's, well, what is it? Josip Gombau's in charge of the under twenty three side That's now. That's true. Yeah. So I suppose you kind of want, we trust. I guess <laughs> you, you want to give him yeah. a chance to actually sort of build up. But why wouldn't you go with players who are going to play in that campaign anyway? That's a topic for another day. Yeah, it's a whole it's a whole club this country thing. You know, even at junior level, it's fairly controversial. I always tend to side with the cl- uh, country there, but well, mm. in the in the club this based in I don't think the daily clubs have a choice. Yeah. Mm. All right, but you did actually mention it. John Aloisi is rumoured to be signing a contract extension, which is one of the big concerns surrounding the Raw going into this year was the fact that, you know, John and Ross Aloisi were both off contract at the end of the year. And with the job that he did in the previous season, there were several, I suppose, vultures circling around trying to poach him for another side. We've heard him link to the Adelaide Post if Guillermoore leaves. Are you happy that... Like you know, it is still being reported by Marco Monteverde from the Courier Mail. Yep. If 
uh, if the Aloisi's re-signed, is it a good thing for the Raw? It's a good thing to have some stability in the position, I think. There's so much instability at the moment in the off-field. You've got rumours around the Aloisi brothers. You've got McLaren rumours, Tommy Hill rumours, Luke Beard, Mitchell Petralis. That's one of these things sewn up so that there's some assurances around of who's actually making these decisions going forward because basically we shouldn't be signing anyone right now until John Aloisi is secure because why would you be signing players before you have a coach? Yeah. So it'd be good to have that Absolutely. secured. And there's no point signing a coach that... Oh, there's no point signing players who like playing for a coach because that was actually something yeah. I remember about Eric Pardaloo. There were, you know, all the things flying around when he re-signed for the Raw, then Postacoglu left and he wasn't too happy with that. Mm-hmm. Well, that's exactly it. And I think um, also as well, the chances of a Jamie McLaren sticking around for at least... You know, until the end of the season, maybe boosted by a John L. Wissey re-signing. I, I don't, look, I, I think we're all in agreement that he won't be here by the end of the season. He'll, he'll go off somewhere else, hopefully to Europe or somewhere like that, you know, to further his career. But, but yeah, it's, uh, I think that will at least, you know, stability, I think, is the main thing. And, look, we've got to say that, you know, he got to a, a semi-final last year. I think he deserves at least one more year. So, it's, I, by certainly the whole El Wissey out thing sort of hasn't come up yet. So, no, I don't think he deserves that. It's also premature for just coming up as well because I, I agree with Adam. Results-wise, it's been fantastic. Yeah, there's a few, look, there's a few technical sort of things and little bits and pieces that we have bugbears about. But overall, look, he's been, he's been a good coach. You know, we, like I said, we're, we're performing above expectation, I believe. So, And he's, yeah. he is still a young coach overall. Like, he, he'd be in his 40s. Roughly, yeah. Yeah, and this is his second stint as a head coach. And the only slight concern I have is he's not giving young players an opportunity, which is something I think he's going to have to start doing in the next 12 months. And also, the style of play has drifted slightly. I'm not saying it's terrible, but it's drifted slightly. And we've kind of seen results maybe diminished slightly because of that. But overall, you can't, you can't fault him. He's taken a side which was expected to do very little, given all the off-field scenario. And then he took the team to within a game of the Premiership and to the semi-finals where he lost in extra time. In one of those just absolutely yeah. bizarre games that... And he's got him in the top four this season as well, so you have to give credit for that. The you, and results are the most important thing. You were very excited to say that. You got him in the top four. You yeah. your microphone. Exactly. Another home, home final coming up. Anyway. Yeah, well, there could be some issues with that, which we'll touch on soon. But, uh, like, we asked the club this morning, or a spokesman for the club this morning, if there yeah. were any official comments. And they said, you know, we're going to stand by the comments Mark Kingsman <laughs> gave to Marco Monteverde, which were... You know, I've had conversations with John that have been very productive and he'll be with our club next year. It's just the smaller points that need to be locked down. That takes time, but everything has been very positive. So, And in, the, in Marco's story as well, he was talking about one of those finer points was off-field stability next, in the off-season. Yeah, I like that. What, now, what would you think off-field stability would mean at most clubs? <laughs> uh, your players get and staff get paid, I think, would be the most important <laughs> thing. So that's something that hasn't happened uh, for two seasons, uh, at least on time. And hopefully some competent staff as well, not a... Not a poor CEO slash type. Well, they've got. They seem like they've got a good structure in place yeah, at the moment. Yeah, well at the moment, absolutely. Things do seem to be on the up off field. We just have to hope that they don't run into a brick wall again. In hopefully, the staff who are there now hang around for the long haul. Yeah, because like one thing that has really impressed me right now is the level of engagement you're getting from guys yeah. like Mark Kingsman, who come in and actually talk to the fans and try and you He's know very active on Twitter, isn't he, Mark Kingsman? I know. I wonder, if he's oh, acti- good, though. I wonder if he's active enough to be seeing this. Hint, hint. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Kingsman, we hope you're listening. Yeah, but I think you've got to be pretty happy with that. And look, if you say Ross Aloisi does wind up getting poached by another team, so be it. I think, you know, that could lead to some really interesting oh. games next year. Well, you'd think if Adelaide are going to change coach, Ross would be amongst the first people they consider because he's obviously got the history at the club. 
He's one of the better assistant coaches. He's had a head coaching role in W League as well. You'd think he's pretty close to being ready. Yeah. Adam? Yeah, no. Look, I think, to be honest, I think actually Ross Eloisi, that's, that's the one thing in the story that hasn't come up is that is it a package deal? Now, I absolutely agree with, with Scotty that, you know, yeah, Ross Eloisi is probably one of the better assistants that are ready to become a, a coach. And I reckon that would be a perfect fit for him. So, and you know, maybe, maybe Wellington as well, if, if the whole um, co coach thing might be annoying, he's a form next player as well. So, I, I think perhaps. Um, when did he play with the Knicks? Yeah, uh, it was after he yeah. got released from the final yeah. season two, went over there for a couple of years. I do not remember yeah, that. No, he, he did. He did. Sometimes of having bringing back you know play you know ex players it happens to be you know head coach doesn't always work but uh, but yeah the guy I think you know it might be very interesting to see what his package deal you know it is John and Ross Lewis they were both on Ross Morgan's way. All right, so let's bring up the story from uh, our next movie. Uh, Mike Bockerel story about the Raw offering their links with with Brisbane Orlando Brisbane Lions FC. Basically, he's suggesting that Raw and the Lion and Lions are, are the same club, and it's a really interesting topic. And I think what Lions because really, if if they if they're okay, I guess we might be, it might be okay. But I don't like it. Maybe it would be if Lions are unhappy with it. They view their history as Lion. The Raw stay as far away from it as possible. Do, so, do you see that? Do you see them as the same club? No, I don't. I guess the one fundamental thing, and this is perhaps this is all ten years ago. They're coming back to haunt the A-League as a whole. Is that when the A-League started, it was a franchise with exceptional Perth Glory and Adelaide United. These were clubs that were born out of nowhere. Nothing at the time. Every possible time, this is involved from now of soccer. Absolutely. I think now with the expansion, with you know, sort of. Now, a club like South Melbourne, Wollongong, Wollongong, and it's all sorts. Yeah, it's almost a cheap way of saying, well, the Roar is not here. Yeah, which so, like, the ethnic links, why can't South Melbourne be in? It's just, it's predictable stuff. And I think most people would sort of say that, you know what, the Brisbane Roar started, actually, Queensland Roar, I should get the credit. Queensland Roar started in 2005. Four. Four? Four, um, four yeah. Yeah, sorry, 2004. 2005 season's first season. Yeah. And like I said, that, that's, a, that's a clear link. Um, it's just, I think, yeah, look, the historical links are there, but they're, they're very, they're very shitty. Are they? are they? Well, look, we know, we know the, the old story that you know, Lions beats you know, strikers for the, um, for the license and all that. But that's, again, like that was set up as a franchise competition. They put everything in their power to separate themselves from the, the, the so-called bad old days of the NSL. And now in 2017, 17, all of a sudden, you know, we're trying to, we're trying to say that, oh, we're, you know, history goes beyond, you know, 2004. Well, um, yeah. Australian football, but not necessarily for Queensland Raw. Yeah. Or yeah. Raw. yeah. No, I, okay, and outside of 
like I said, Perth Glory and Adelaide United. Perth Glory probably clearly have got links to the old Ansel days. Adelaide United, I think, the last season, season yeah. of the Ansel. None of the other clubs that are they they were they formed this franchise. And you know, like I said, it'd be fairly insulting to say to um, to Wellington Phoenix, "Oh, you're links with football kings and all that." You no, know, it's definitely not. No, were no. they the football kings with a Z? Yes. They were the Kings. Ugh. Which automatically makes any name cool. Yeah, who were, yeah. Uh, yeah, so some of those comments you were talking about in the Mike Cockrell article, ever since the Lions chosen to run the argument they're no longer connected to the Raw, which that sentence in and of its own right is... Like, couldn't... Right. So that, that's what they, they said. Well, that's there you go, there's no connection. Yeah, so so much for that. Yeah, no, it's... Look, at the end of the day, it's a case of, you know... It is what it is, you know. Like so, we, you know, we're near. They're the trying to manufacture history. When you know, I think the most football sports know Lions, who are a very, very strong club in in the Brisbane Premier League. They're the room to be coming up to the National Premier League. Stadium, stadium line, yep. line as well. They're a rich, rich, you know, leagues club. You know, like I said, they probably actually have more money than the Raw, other than the bank account of of the backeries. So it'd be nice. I think maybe that's the underlying that most of trying to link up it. I think if you ask most Lions members and, and you know, supporters, I think they'd say, go away. Before no, we move chance. on, I do think that's exactly who I want to hear from the yeah. Lions members and also the Lions board and what their, what their official joint is. Because I think that would be very interesting. What for, me, what for me would be really interesting is if when the, maybe not the next round, but the next next round of A-League expansion comes up, are they the ones that, are they going to eventually consider themselves capable of submitting a bid or something? I think it's uh, given the growth, you know, the growth of the corridor, like the, the private rental is not too far away from the growth corridor. Look, at, you could almost, you could almost say, you know, it must be something that's that's holding them back. I think the, the, the they're still going through their redevelopment over there, you know, infrastructure-wise. But yeah, look, in five years' time, you could bet that they probably, if if not by trying to do it by an A-League license, still through promotion and relegation, if it happens, they could be in the in the reckoning because they are one of the top. You know, clubs in in southeast Queensland. Wouldn't that wind people up to? Oh, having the, the yeah, the second the team from the anyway. I'm not yeah. going to touch that, but yeah. Yep. <laughs> well, just quickly while we're still on this, this actually got a whole lot of traction on our Facebook page, the Raw Review. If you, well, you're watching on that, so <laughs> yeah. of course you're following it. <laughs> yeah. Maybe if maybe if you're following through the Daily Football Show, give us a bit of a like because well. We can never have too many. And I think we're getting close on 3,000 as we? well. Are we? That's what we were talking about any, beforehand. Yeah. I don't, we, I don't we, keep we track got, of this. Have we got a prize for 3,000 like? A crisp high five at the next set of fan <laughs> camps. <laughs> All right, so some of the comments. We've got David McDaniel says, No, it shouldn't. I was there when the club was announced and watched the launch. No mention of Hollandia that I recall. Yep. Priyank Patel, you know, uh, this seems very forced, especially when Lions are not happy to work, uh, you know, with Brisbane Roar on this. Uh, Ned Kelly, which, brilliant name. Yep. Um, it's not that Ned Kelly. <laughs> I was going to say, I wonder how long that Facebook ca- account has been around, if so. <laughs> but anyway, Ned says, I disagree. You can't just sell a one-off team of your club. The Raw were never a part of Queensland Lions. We were a franchise owned by the Lions. If the Backeries owned Lions and the Raw had a clubhouse and training facilities at Richland, then yes, but we don't. Like Victory City, Smurfs, Wanderers, Mariners, etc. We're franchises. More work needs to be done creating a club around the franchises and creating our own identity. That that sums it up. Yeah, perfectly. perfectly. No, and, that's, and I read that comment. I completely agree with Ned on that. That's that's exactly where sort of my sort of view comes from. Is that you know we're not we're not part of it. Why are we trying to manufacture it now in 2017 when it sounds like in 2005 we didn't 2004 2005 we didn't want to know. You know we didn't want any links with with old soccer. 
So it's yeah, it's and and, and it's pre angst as well. You know, it's it's it seems forced and it's absolutely right. The connection is probably more distant cousins than you mm. know, yeah, siblings or whatever. But I, it is it does by all accounts basically the lines are a part of the Raw's history, but are they're they? not well. Very minor part. I of think. Yeah. I think. It, yeah, like yeah, I said, a distant, distant cousin. cousin. Yeah. yeah. I think that's the best way to do it if you're going with a family tree. Now, is there any other stories that we wanted to touch on before we wrap this up? Oh, you got the. You put the World Cup thing into that. That's right. The World Cup expansion. Forty-eight teams. Now, Adam, Three. just how stupid an idea is this? Out of ten. Look, I'm. Look, despite the sort of the outrage on social media, I'm. I'm feeling open-minded about. Like, I'm. I think forty-eight is a bit too many, but. I think I, I think I'd like to see more detail about it because I think there are there are more to it just by throwing forty out and devaluing the value and all that. I think maybe just a, just a touch too harsh at this moment. I think look, we'll, we'll see what happens in you know in four years time and whatnot. Especially you now we've got to get through Russia. We've got to get through Qatar. We've God got to help get us. to Russia first. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, I mean as, like just as as a um, to time factor, more whether whether Australia there or not. Um, but look, I can see where they're trying to sell the benefits of the OC. I think OC getting you know pretty much double the spot it has at the moment. You know, obviously we're emerging sort of force in the world according to FIFA and whoever else. But and yeah, I, I think yeah, I think more just be a more open mind. But I definitely yeah, I can understand why people are upset. I've got a news coming through from ninety now. Josh set to the club at the end of the season. Wow. Well, I did see yesterday another radio station in Sydney was reporting that he'd signed for the Wanderers, so maybe that's happened. Yeah. So he was off contract, so yeah, that's a bit of a live news. Out of 10, it's a 12. It's terrible. I mean, only FIFA could ruin a perfect price by... A perfect cash cow as well. Yeah, and you just add more games. I mean, it's no, it's terrible. It really is. I mean, think of the idea of having two games in a group and if there's draws, having penalty shootouts. So, See, I don't mind that idea. Like, I, I, I just don't like the whole. The whole thing is terrible to me. Yeah, and it could really change international football as well because because qualifying is going to be so much easier. You might see big name players potentially saying, "Right, well, I'm going to sit out a couple of games here because our team is good enough to qualify without me. I'm going to have a little bit of a break here." And they've got to play half the games. And that, that, that could that could diminish the quality of international football anyway. And you've also got, for the FFA's perspective here, some of these games against the Asian nations. If qualification is qual is good way earlier, you may see these games not get in crowds of that they are getting currently. I mean, because the bit, the World Cup qualifiers are selling out around the country, ish. and if ish more yeah. or less in the in the medium sized venues anyway. And if these games mean less, you might get less people going. Yeah, yeah. Look, uh, look. I think as well, and this is where I say you now we need to look at the detail because. Yeah, we we always look gear up, and this is where I agree with you on this: is that we always gear up for you know during the qualifiers, you know, two games against I know the last couple of years Japan. Yep. If we go to eight and a half spots, you're not going to see Australia, no. Japan, or a Korea, Japan, or an Iran, Saudi Arabia. You're not because, like I said, you'd imagine that it'll be something like. Well, if you do see those groups. games, they're just going to be completely. Yeah, you might you might get one one of them, but you're going to have like four groups of. You know, four four groups of you know six qualifying. Now, top two go through the World Cup, and you may have you know a couple of playoffs to, to decide who plays for the half. So that's probably. But I think as well, it's also like in Europe, for example, they've got the UEFA Nations Cup that's coming up in 2019. Yep. So the qualifying period for the World Cup may not even start till 2025. 
So, and but but you're still playing, and that's you, maybe you're making your um your money as I guess as a confederation is playing those in, in a league format. But that works for UEFA, but what about yeah. for the ASC, who's Look, to combine their World Cup qualifying with Asian Cup qualifying? Yeah. So there's. Limited football internationally in Asia anyway. Now there's going to be even less. Yeah, I'll, I'll look, I'll I think they to, might have to rethink it. I'm, I'm pers- sold, yeah. I'm personally, you know, ecstatic for Germany, Thailand at USA 2026. I just can't wait. We, we, well, that's, that's a good point you also make as well. They're having 80 games as well. We'll, we'll seriously limit the ability of most nations to even host it. So like you were saying in 2026... It might have to see some more co-hosting things. Yeah, well, they, they have... Like in I'm, I'm sorry, no, I misspoke, I misspoke. Yep. It's going to be Zimbabwe. Jenny <laughs> <laughs> no, right. Infantino is the guy who came up with One the UEFA 2020 idea of multiple host cities. I think that we very well could see that for a World Cup no, very soon, depending on how... It, it could just literally be big cities in a confederation hosting it. So maybe instead of Australia hosting it, Sydney, down the line, you might see a couple of games in Sydney and Melbourne, then you'll see some games in Tokyo... Seoul, etc. That might be the way it ends up going. Well, I can't, it won't be. It well, may not be an Asian nation because the simple fact is that 2022 is unfortunately in Qatar. Yeah. So. Maybe 2030. All right, so I think that's going to do it for our Facebook Live in segment three. We've been running for about half an hour. Apologies for the technical difficulties at the start, but it, it hates me. It's Just blame me. We're going to get a new director in because James is terrible with technology. Like I said, you want a Dutch person in here? Bring him on. <laughs> All right. So, Adam, do you want to hit the stop on that? Scott, yep. do you want to hit the air conditioning because it's getting very yep. sweaty in here? Okay, thanks, guys. Thanks, everyone, for watching and listening. We'll be back with segment four to preview this weekend's victory game. This is the Brisbane Football Review. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com. Welcome back. It's the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com. All right, welcome back to segment four of the Brisbane Football Review. Thanks to everyone that joined us on the live stream. We apologise again about the technical difficulties, but... It was just technology, phones. Not, we're not actually attached to the wall of the yeah. studio. It was just not going uh, landscape when we wanted it to, so we wound up having to record it in portrait. We'll work on it, guys, and get back to it at some De- point in the future. Definitely. It's a learning curve for all of us. Hey, we're 15 weeks in, so I'd say we're still in <laughs> development. All right, so this Friday night, or Saturday night? Friday? Friday night. Yeah. Friday night, the Roar are going to play Melbourne. Yeah, the Roar are going to play Melbourne Victory, but before we do that, Scott... Can you uh, remind everyone how to get in touch with us? Yeah, okay. So if, you, if you're watching our live stream, you know our Facebook account, Brisbane Football Review. We're on Twitter at Raw Review. You can listen to us on Switch. We've got our. You can just uh, if you didn't listen to us live, you can got our um, podcast on iTunes and Audio Boom, and James records fan cams as well on the po- post game at home. At the Wally and Lewis thanks statue. for those people who came and had a chat to us on Saturday. It wasn't the best result, so. But now, and now you know what we look like. You can come find us yeah. for the fan cans, and that's what, what you think. We're supposed to get them to want to come near. <laughs> yeah, we, we might, we might scare them off after this stunt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but look, overall, I thought you know, I thought they were going quite well. Like we're getting some fun guys, and no on outside ninety dot com. They were sharing the, uh, oh, the bloopers, oh, and we had the that North, was great that that the yeah. Northern Irish guys. Thankfully, uh, Lachlan, our video guy, didn't include any of the 
strings of expletives when I messed up my introduction. So, <laughs> a little quick behind the scenes note here: like we need we'll, a swear jar around here. Yeah, we will. Mm. We do actually script out our introduction to every episode. Well, we script out my introduction to every episode, and there a few times here and there where I might mess it up and just like seven times last week. I was tired, all right? I'm I only had one coffee. You out again. I only had one coffee that day. Can you blame me? <laughs> no. You... Well, actually, I should blame you, yeah. Yeah. I blame you, yeah. Move on. Okay, so Friday, 6.50pm Queensland time at Amy Park. Brisbane Royal playing Melbourne Victory. This weekend last year, the Royal went down there. They were flying pretty high at the time and got a real reality check 4-0. Last time they played was round one, Brisbane Royal 1-1. And then uh, they also had a 0-0 draw in round 27 at Amy Park, so... Things have been pretty even right now with the two sides. Scott? That game was fun around 27, wasn't it? Uh, I was there, yes. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. I was watching it on an iPad up in the Wit Sundays, just basically pulling my hair out going, come on! <laughs> but Scott, you've got some all-time uh, stats for us. Okay, so I'll read them out this week. They've played 35 times, these teams. Brisbane have won 12, Victory have won 15, and there's been eight draws. And then at Amy, at Amy Park, and this is both Victory and City, there's been, Raw have been there 15 times, they've won two. They've lost eight and drawn five. I'm going to remember that for our tip segment because I need yeah. to make up some ground. Well, I've got another one for you as well because Brisbane's last win in Melbourne. Does anyone want to guess the date? See if you can guess the date. I'm Don't going... look at my notes, Adam. No. <laughs> I'm going to go 2013-14. Wrong. Oh, no pass. <laughs> it's January 4, 2014. 3-0 oh. to the victory. That's 3-0 to the victory. Yes, you didn't give the right date, though. That's season. No, that's not good enough. I'm a harsh mucker. Yeah, so it was that 3 0 game, the one that they all put on their mask cards against them, where they scored yeah. that fantastic goal yeah, of 30 so. odd passes. That was the last oh, win in Melbourne. Yeah. Hmm. Well, there's always hope that they might be able to find a way to turn it around, I suppose. Yeah, yeah so they're right now struggling for form. Do we think they're going to wind up doing any sort of major tactical changes, Adam? Oh, so? Just in style, but I don't think I don't think it will happen. I, I, look, I, my my personal view is that you know, and it was actually ironically, it was against the victory where we where Antipostokoglu were five at the back or a three or three yeah. at the back. Uh, three, against, four, three, yeah, yeah, against against uh, Melbourne victory. Yeah. And um, yeah, but I look, I, I don't, but I think John Wilson's going in him at the moment to actually tinker with with um, the actual formation. Formation, I think. I think. It may, it may be a slight shift here or there about, you know, maybe, you know, or out or even no yeah. scoring. I know, you know, I know on time, James, what changes would you make if you were in charge, Adam? To me, tactically, yeah. I um, I bring Daniel Bowles in at centre-back, which plays at the back, um, Hingert and Brown, so in that, that wing-back position. Um, and, yeah, that's, that's pretty much the only change. And I obviously have Mackay, uh, Christensen, and I can't remember, I wrote it all down. And yeah, so, but that, the, the major change would be to play three, three centre backs. That would be my, my change. I wouldn't go that far. For me, yeah. I'd actually try and rejig things up front because we've seen a fairly stable front attacking. We've seen a stable yeah. side generally. Yeah, which, look, is great that they've got the help to be able to throw that out for the last few weeks. But I'd much rather see them, you know, maybe bring in a Brandon Borello from the start in place of. Maybe Demi Petrados moved to the middle. Well, I had I had Rolo yeah. coming in. That was my well. I should say firstly, I don't think it's going to be any change because Aloisi in recent weeks has shown he's pretty happy with his selection. But if it was my decision, I would bring Rolo into the starting lineup for Tommy Orr. I'd put Rolo on the right and Thomas Broichuk on the left hand side. That's where he plays his best football. That three, three last year was really good, and I'd make a couple of changes on the bench as well. 
I'd be bringing in one of the strikers. It's a hard one to answer because Katibian was left out of the youth side because he had a knock. Dagestino went off with a knock, so I don't know if either of them are fit and ready. But if one of them is ready, I'll say Dagestino. He'll be on the bench instead of Arana, perhaps. And I'd also bring in Joe Coletti on the bench for Pepper. I know he's young. I know he's tiny, but he got he got clattered hard by one of the first players in the youth game on Sunday. And mm. I said to Adam at the time, that, that shows me he got straight up, and I think he's ready. He's, he's got a good Wait. passing game. He can he can get stuck in. I, I think I'd I give him a chance off the bench. Might as, got well, to lose. might as well. Yeah, roll roll the dice it up on. a little bit. That's, uh, you could also go with Constantopoulos. And it's if you wanted a more proven option, Nathan. Yes. Yeah. But if we and I suppose also with that busy run of fixtures we were talking about before in that Facebook Live thing, yeah. with that busy run of form, you might want to actually try and get some of these guys game time so they're not going in raw. Particularly if John Lewis said he's got he might just have split squads for the Shanghai Melbourne City games. If you're going to do that, you've got to give these guys opportunity because you've got the first team 17, 18 players basically playing in one team and you've got the rest of the first team squad and the youth team over here and it's been limited crossover. So if you're going to start having that crossover, you might want to start trying it a little bit. I put it to you like this. What happens if Corey Brown gets the other card on Friday night? Jack Ingett plays left back and Daniel Bowles plays it right back. See, I, see, that's the thing and that's the thing is I personally, I would be looking at Conor O'Toole or Kyle Rails but... You're right. That won't happen like that. It will be Hingert to left, which, which I think then you're, you're weakening one position to cover another, and then you and you bring Daniel Bowles and had you know bugger all game time. So yeah. whereas you know at least at least the young guys are actually playing you know week in week out in National Youth League. Now just a, a couple of quick points. We are going to keep moving because that Facebook live segment was about half an hour. So I'm sure everyone's t- telling us to just shut up so they can finish <laughs> the podcast right now. They tell us to do that anyway. Yeah, that's true. That's true. All right. So Melbourne Victory, they're on a five match winning run. How scared of you? On a scale of 1 to 10, are you, Adam? Quick fire. Out of 1 to 10? Scared of them. Victory. Oh, look, probably probably down 8. You never, you never fear them totally, but you know what? They are in awesome form. I hate playing Melbourne Victory. I wonder why. No, I, I, <laughs> I'm not truthfully that scared of them because I do think our squad, on paper at least, stacks up well. It's just they're in, in far the, better form than we are at On moment. current form. Okay, so let's go around A-League round 15. You've got Thursday night, Adelaide United, Melbourne City. Saturday, you got Wellington against Central Coast and Sydney FC against the Wanderers. So, Sydney Derby, that's going to be a big one. Yeah. Mm. All right, Sunday, you've got Newcastle Jets uh, giving Perth a rare away trip. <laughs> <laughs> so, let's go, into the, let's go into the predictions from around the A-League. Scott, we're going to start with you. Okay, so I'll ignore the Derby, which is the obvious one. I'm, going to look, I'm looking at Newcastle and Perth. Newcastle's in great form at the moment. Perth are in solid form. This could be a, a battle for sixth spot in the finals in Newcastle. I mean, the winner there is in great shape. Well, while the derby is the obvious one, I'm actually looking at Wellington Phoenix Central Coast Mariners. I actually think, even though the Mariners have had some pretty ordinary form on the road, the way they played the last couple of weeks, I wouldn't be surprised they, they actually give you know, Knicks a bit of a touch-up. They, they're in form, and I think you know, it might be time they turn the corner. I'm going to go for the derby because it is low-hanging fruit. And an Adelaide bounce-back as well is something you should also look for as well. Mm. I'm going to go. How they respond anyway. I'm going to go the Wanderers fans are once again the headline from the derby because two or three of them decide to do something stupid. That's a $1.01, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Quite possibly. All right, so we're going to go predictions for the Raw game. Now, we've actually tabulated uh, our picks from throughout this season. We're not going to go through the table now. We're going to go save that till next week. Adam, what's your pick for this weekend's game? I think victory 2-1. All right, one. Oh, he's writing no, he's a lot. Yeah, the update live. I'm adding it into the sheet now. Otherwise, I know I'm going to forget, and then I'm going to get to it next uh, Wednesday. And Press just go. is on now. Scott? I'll say, oh, jeez, I hate this. I really, really hope I'm wrong. 2-0 to victory. 
And just for the record, Scott is actually the master tipster right now. So if James said it, not me. Well, he's nailed, what is it, four games directly. So, And I'm going to go for a 1-1 draw. Is that the score I tipped one all the four times in a row it happened? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it, uh, the only one that you, you got four correct. The only one that you didn't was uh, the 1-0 win over the Mariners in round three. I'll take it. Yeah, exactly. All right, so I think that's going to do it for this edition of the Brisbane Football Review. We apologise again for the technical difficulties, but it's better than what's happened to us before with the studio going pop. We'll go back to the training park and work on it, guys. <laughs> that's right. But thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll be back next week, Wednesday, I believe. Yeah, Wednesday. All right, guys, thanks for your time. Yeah, see you, James. See you, James. Talk to you next Wednesday. This has been the Brisbane Football Review. Thanks for listening to the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com. Here's a thought. What if you woke up to find you'd won $20,000 every month for 20 years? Imagine the possibilities. Set for life from New South Wales Lotteries. Grab an entry in-store or online today.